Hi, I'm Joel. And I'm Kishan. And this is Tea for Two. This is our BFF podcast where we talk about anything from science to popular culture, the arts, and life in Singapore. Hi everyone, it's me Joel, a playwright and performer And it's me Kishan, a science educator And a very warm welcome back to Tea for Two mm. It is our best friend podcast where we talk about whatever the fuckery, fuckery we want mm, Because there's a lot of fuckery going Such on fuckery indeed, this week, this month, this year But this week specifically these Sis. past couple of weeks specifically Sis, it's been it's been an intense week fuckery for me out the wazoo yeah out the wazoo indeed yeah what what ex- what what fuckery has been going on kishin yeah so there's been basically an uptick of shall we call uh, it race racist incidents yeah yeah the, uh, in in singapore a uh, uh, racism <laughs> A racism, a wild racism has appeared. Yeah, a wild racism. Trigger warning: This whole episode will be about, a, about racism, about the racisms. Yeah, the racism, yeah. the racisms. The racisms. <laughs> yeah, so there's been like a crazy uptake of racial encounter. Um, there was uh, encounters. There was the, the first one was the park assault. The poor Indian woman. Um, she was walking home. Yeah, with the, she was exercising. She was exercising. Walking, sorry, and then yeah. she didn't wear a mask, and then some Chinese girl goes up and assaults her same way. Yeah. Wear a mask. So yeah. there's that one, and then that was like maybe a month or so. ago A month right? ago, yeah. uh, but it was the start of a very bad that was time. The start <laughs> of like uh, we should have seen it coming. Uh, yeah, of a racist yeah. Charles Dickens novel. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Then after that, there was uh, the woman shouting at an, a student in a bus. Uh, uh, basically saying you are dangerous. Correct, correct. I saw you looking at me. Yeah, who mm. seemed to be a kind of like a uh, imitation act of Biao Tan, correct. who was caught on video, um, basically haranguing um, minority race people on the train. That's right. Yeah, for no, for no, for no reason other than just shits and giggles. Shits and giggles. Seems yeah. like it. And then, of course, uh, we talked about it last time. There was the cutout situation. Yeah. Oh my God, there was that. Yeah, the the standees, the, the high yeah. rider standees. Exactly. Yeah. So this has been in the air, but it's been the two most recent incidents that got me a little bit frazzled. And mm. when I say frazzled, I mean just batshit angry oh. and also just upset, lah. Mm. Yeah. The first one is an incident I'm going to call Nian Poly Man. It's basically a man uh, accosting an interracial couple. Um, and he called, and he basically told the the, the 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 Indian man in in the couple saying that he was preying on the Chinese woman and there was predatory behavior. Mm. So there's this whole. I'm sure you've seen it. If you are, yeah, let's not rehearse it in great detail. Yeah, I don't need yeah. to. So if you're Singaporean, you know what I'm talking about. And the second incident that got me uh, quite rattled was of a, a recent one. Uh, I'm just gonna call it Gong Lady. Oh, the Gong Karen. The Gong Karen. <laughs> the Gong Karen, yes. Gong Karen is much better. Uh, what she was doing basically was when uh, an Indian man was uh, carrying out prayers in his house, she just came out and just banged the gong behind him. Um, o- ostensibly as a sign of like irritation that his his kind of like nightly ritual involved the ringing of bells. bells. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then she was just like, jang, jang. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. Caught, so she was caught on film doing she it. She was caught yeah. on film doing it. Uh, both of these people... All of these things were caught on film mm. and they've been put up. And so there's been, there's been an, like I said, like an uptick. And it has been a very emotional time, a very tiring time, I think, for for a lot of people, especially minorities, mm. uh, for whom like, you know, we just feel attacked a lot mm. this month. So I, I just wanted to take the opportunity to use this podcast <laughs> to talk about it. To answer, I wanted to answer the question. To be perfectly frank, I wanted to answer the question why we are still here and what we can do about it. But thinking about it over the past few weeks, 
I, I don't know if I can truly answer the question. So this has become a sort of therapy. Right. I just want this episode to just be therapy for me. Right. And to just get it all out of my chest. And I'm here to just serve as a listening ear. Thank you. And a bouncing board. Can. Mm, and supplier of wine. Let's Even though you're the one who brought the wine yeah. <laughs> So I have this friend, Kit. She's been on the podcast. Yes. You know Kit. I know Kit. Yeah. So uh, she, if you don't know, is Chinese. And I am Indian. Is it? <laughs> So we went to the same JC and we were very close in JC. Nothing romantic, of course. We were just really, really, really good friends. We were we were in the same CCA. We went home all the time. We were it was lived close by and everything. And ev- and our relationship grew in uh, JC so much so that people thought we were dating. Mm. And every time we would walk home together, the people in Tampanese, and I kid you not, like, all the time, the aunties and uncles in Tampanese would look at us and go like, what's happening here? So right. we look we look like an interracial couple, right? To, to to put it very frankly, and the eyes were never on Kit. I mean, I always felt that the eyes were on me. Mm. So the eyes were always like, oh, uh, it, uh well, why are you with this girl? Like, or why they, he why he take one of ours? Uh, why he take one of us? Uh. Or or a girl, are you okay? Mm. You know that sort of thing. Mm. So it was always that's this, the energy you were getting. That that mm. was the energy. That's a good word. That was the energy I was getting, and 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 I I don't know if Kit felt it. Uh, but at that time we laughed it off, but. Because of recent incidents, uh, mm. specifically the uh, Niam, Niam Polyman Poly incident, <laughs> yeah, the Niam Polyman incident that resonated quite, um, quite strongly with me. Of course, there are two very important distinctions here. The first was that the woman that he was actually with was his partner, his mm. girlfriend, and the second was that an actual person accosted him and told him that what he was doing was, for some reason, wrong. Right. You know. So, but. Even though there was these these two important differences, the similarity here is that I think what people see, specifically what Chinese people see when they see interracial couples, is that they see something wrong. Mm. They see that ah, how can like that? Mm. You know, how can these two different ethnicities mix together? And it got me thinking about lines drawn mm. and how I should exist because it seems to say that I can only exist in a particular way mm. and I'm being tolerated, mm. you know? So it got me thinking about racial tolerance and how this term is being bandied about, bandied about um, now on Facebook, you know? Like how we need to be tolerant of other people and everything. Right, and that we just like, actually the, it's, it's, that we just sit around and like tolerate each other's differences, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and I have a problem with the term tolerance because to me, tolerance is passive. Mm. It is not an active term. So by that, I mean that we just sit down and we accept. We might not like what we are seeing, but we live with it. And that passive feeling doesn't lend itself to active acceptance, active understanding. Or engagement. Or engagement, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't lend itself to any of these things. I I mean, what I don't like about the word tolerance is that the presupposition is that the property that is being tolerated is fundamentally a nuisance or an annoyance, right? Exactly. So it's basically, it's like when you're using it in a context of like um, very embodied difference, like race, for example, it basically is saying your race is something that I have to tolerate, Mm. which is like, you know, hmm. it it is a f- you know deeply flawed construction. Ex- yeah, yeah, exactly. Extremely negative. Yeah, and I was thinking about how growing up we were told about racial harmony and racial tolerance, mm. and I was thinking about all the times that we celebrated each other's festivals in schools and racial harmony day, mm. and these to me were instruments of tolerance. Right. We were told in these uh, during these celebrations that we needed to 
we celebrated diversity, but mm. in a very like tolerating way because there was no real understanding mm. of why we did certain things. At least, at least to my knowledge, you know. So, I think, unfortunately, because of this tolerance, tolerance becomes a breeding ground for ignorance, mm. and we just accept it. So we just live there's this veneer created by tolerance on Singapore about oh this is how our shiny city looks like right and we protect this veneer right you know uh, we we stand up for it well, at least the government does we stand up for it say like oh it needs to be protected it, it this is what we stand for this is racial harmony right. this is what it is but I personally don't think that's what racial harmony is because I think what this creates is just something very um. Very well superficial Yeah You know uh, And I think Whenever I think about Racial tolerance now I I, I don't know if that term Is sufficient mm. And I wonder If there's a better way For us to think about Our multiracial And multi-religious Way of living Do you think that's a better way? Then uh, I don't know I, I, I can't say that I have any answers now Right Because I uh, To be honest I, I, I'm even as I sit with you a little, I, I seem a little bit composed. It, there's a lot of going on. Mm. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of feelings that I, I need to sieve through. Mm. I think there must be a better way than tolerance. I think a pot, uh, a more active term would be more welcome, right. in my opinion. Because right. as I said, tolerance to me feels very passive. Right. And I want something a little bit more active where we are forced into action to do something, to find out, to learn, and to then grow. So like what, in, in a kind of ideal formulation for you, right? what would that look like? What would that look like? Yeah, what would this kind of more active approach to um, living with people's differences look like for you? For me, it would be going out to people and actually talking to them. Mm. And, and when, I, when I say talking, I literally mean talking, not right. shouting. Mm. I mean asking questions. <laughs> not accosting. Yeah, not accosting. <laughs> no, so uh, not, hey, can you please don't? Correct. Yeah. Asking questions and fundamentally, it is about listening. Right. I think we don't do a lot of that. I think um, with the age, with the internet, for, for better or worse, we are gaining confidence, mm. confidence lah, open inverted commas, to call people out on, on certain things. Right. But I think where we, where we lack, what we lack is the ability to listen yeah. to the fact that we may be wrong, it's, that we need to grow, that we, we yeah. are lacking. Yeah, on all fronts, right? Yeah, it's on very, all fronts. It's, it, yeah, the internet can be a very unidirectional kind of space. Absolutely. It, it's funnily enough, as a, as a kind of forum where people are making so much noise and having so much what looks like conversation, very yes. little conversation is ha- actually happening, right? Yeah. yeah. And for me, it is this uh, racial tolerance, the way we are taught about racial harmony through racial tolerance, mm. right? Unfortunately, has not given us the the ability or the language to talk about race. Yeah. Because we we have been told that, oh, we just need to accept certain mm. things. We need to live with our differences. And all this, uh, uh, we are always told that we are we are just living in harmony. Mm. You know, it, it, we, we, I don't recall being in school having had the opportunity to question, right. to ask. It's right. always, oh, kumbaya, whole yeah. hands. Yeah. Everybody is happy. Yeah. And our whole generation, your generation, yep. our generation has been has been brought up without the ability to talk about these things. We don't have the language capability yeah. to talk about these things. It's, it's, it's interesting. Remember a few episodes ago when Weish was on and she was talking about how when she was a teacher uh, during Racial Harmony Day, she basically got her class to start talking about their experiences with race, both good and bad, right? And then, hmm. um, and that kind of straight from the official Racial Harmony Day playbook, which oh, is yeah. basically to just like go through the talking points about how we are like some utopian post-race society. It's true, And yes. then she got put into a place by a teacher in that moment saying that you can't do this you can't engage the students on race you know yeah. in fact like the uh, kind of silence on the subject is preferred 
So I think it's very interesting. You know what you're pointing out, right? On one hand, we don't have a language. Like we don't, we you know, like sieving si- sieving through some Facebook comments as we were earlier, right? Oh my and god! Stuff, and basically seeing kind of like how people are weighing wading into some of these controversies, right? What we we realize, and I'm sure, dear listener, you've noticed too, is that many people have just like a paucity of critical language to talk about race in a nuanced or fair or or mature or sophisticated way, mm. right? It's all very like uh oh yeah what but I can see why she or huh yeah you know it's like like that one what what you expect yeah. or it's very like oh we should all be harmonious or like oh you know we're all one race, the human race yeah, that kind pe- of thing. People are literally tripping yeah. over themselves. Not just Correct. in terms of trying to engage with the with the mat with with mm. the with the topic, but also w- when they when they fuck up and then they, they need to apologize. They mm. apologize in like the most awful way. Yeah. They're not sincere yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah. They don't see where it, they've gone wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's the product of like just years and years of this kind of downplaying of you know race in our society right Agree. It, it, it's, 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 it's interesting like I think this whole racial harmony thing right or like the suite of activities that we call racial harmony that's right, right. Or, you know what you're pointing out as like tolerance and like the way we are encouraged to talk about race which is if 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 at all not at all oh, the instruments right? of the tolerance instruments are... of tolerance all these kind of things right I think mm. like they they, perf- they, they, pr- they perform a very powerful kind of two-pronged silencing effect right yep. on one hand it silences Anybody who says that you know there are there are there there are kind of racialized misgivings in this country by saying no what we're got racial harmony you know Correct. we can paper we paper over everything mm. by going like oh you know look at me wearing yeah, the sari yeah you know <laughs> we, we we live in harmony if something bad happens that's you know some that's very it's an outlier kind yeah. of it's a kind of outlier or it's very rare and then on the other hand it literally silences people who point out you know um that race racism exists in this country by saying that they are rabble rousers or troublemakers mm. so it's on, it's like on one hand right you're gaslit if you think that if you if you, if you start pointing out like that there, there's racism in this country because like the whole system kind of like is orchestrated to tell you otherwise mm. and, on the, and on the other hand you are literally silenced right and it it makes me think a lot about like George Orwell's concept of double think mm. you know and I'm just going to read out his definition here. Yeah. So, to George Orwell, double think is to know and to not know, to be conscious of complete truthfulness while telling carefully constructed lies, to hold simultaneously two opinions which cancelled out, knowing them to be contradictory and believing in both of them, to use logic against logic, to repudiate morality while laying claim to it, to believe that democracy is impossible and that the party was the guardian of democracy, <laughs> to forget whatever it was necessary to forget, then to draw it back into memory again at the moment when it was needed and then promptly to forget it again and above all to apply the same process to the process itself wow. so like, it's which, skills future course really I, I wish there were <laughs> man I would love to be kind of a, kind of a fully accredited double, double thinker. thinker because I feel like I've been double thinking all my life with, without getting paid for it <laughs> But though you, I mean, I, I really think that racial harmony is one of these kinds. There's a kind mm. of double thing quality to it. It's that thing where like it makes you think about race, but then it also takes all the the power out of thinking about race. And then it, you know, it is that thing that uses the it uses the denial of racism to tackle racism. Yeah, it makes you yeah. think about race in a very specific manner. Yeah, which is, which is which is what we go through all the time during mm. racial harmony day in schools. Yeah, right? I mean, like, 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 we talked about this before in the podcast. Like, a certain set a deck comes down, and then like we we need to talk about whatever that's said in there. Mm. there is a sense of of 
of thinking about race in a specific way, lah. Yeah, it's a problem we've already solved. Yeah, yeah. Which no, which you know, like <laughs> these 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 incidents keep coming out of the woodwork and with increasing regularity nowadays, right? Like it, it's just it, it, so you used the word uptick to describe it just now, which I think was interesting because I I had some thoughts about whether or not it's an uptick. Oh, I think no, definitely no. there's been an uptick in a certain visibility. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Uh, uptick was used um, in an opening but the comma sort mm. of manner, right? I, I mean, I do. I the the frequency of these incidents have to be perfectly honest in my own in my own experience of these things have been exactly the same. Yeah. I mean, like when I was in when I was in uh, I don't know if I told this story here, but when I was in uh, university on the train to school, a woman across from me sitting in a carriage uh, with her son, she looked, she pointed at me and she said, hey, be careful, later the apu nene will catch you. Oh, for fuck's sake. Right out loud in the train eh, and I was shell-shocked and I didn't know what the hell to say. So it is, it is, it's been happening. These things have been happening for the longest time. And yeah, I think we what, just didn't have smartphones back then. Exactly. Yeah. I think what social media has done is that it's allowed us to keep the receipts. People mm, are, mm. people are now taking out their smartphones and saying like, look, this, look at what this person is saying to me. Mm. And they're not only just keeping it, they're posting it online. Mm. Because I, I think what people are realizing is that they can, they somehow can get more justice on social media platforms than if they, if they sent it to perhaps the. Authorities, yeah, you know, I mean, they can get immediate justice. It's, it's interesting because, like, as you say this, right? I'm thinking about how Neon Poly Man, right? So, in the light of this, you know, his 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 newfound virality, like a former student of his, <laughs> Nuru Fatima, that's right, has gone public saying that, he, well, while she was a student of his, he used lecture time at the school to talk about why he didn't agree with, with Islam, Islam as a religion. religion. Yeah. And it made her so uncomfortable she had to leave the lecture theatre. And like, it, it particularly affected her because yeah. uh, because I believe she's from the madrasa, ah, correct. Uh, madrasa so, schooling. I mean, basically yeah. imagine like this like, you know, teacher, like, figure of authority, basically, like, kind of condemning your religion in your face and then kind of... And then, like, I think later emerged that he he even tried to debate with her, right? Yep. Yeah. Anyway, the point I was trying to make is that she then, you know, files a complaint through the the, the, the official channels and, I mean, apparently, I mean, clearly nothing was done because yeah. he, you know... It was working there. Yeah, so, you know, you, what you were saying about how it takes something... Like, you know, it takes showing the receipts and it takes this very potent form of citizen journalism in a way mm. to get anything done. Because, first of all, this kind of media is very persuasive and yeah. it's very powerful. But we're also living in a moment where this is the kind of stuff that you... This is, the kind this of, is where things yeah, go on. Yeah. You know, this has become a veritable form of, like, actionable justice. So, yeah, I think it's... I guess it's interesting. It's important here to note that, like, if... It suddenly feels like Singapore if, if based on the social media alone It suddenly feels like Singapore Is like a hella racist place yeah, right? It's but not. I think What a lot of minority race people Are coming out to say Is that this has been going on For as long exactly. as they've Understood what's going yeah, on Yeah this is so, not an uptick so, uh, and, and you know like There is something about Videos like this that, that represent a very Specific A very a particularly violent Sort of racism a, a, a particularly vile form of racism but we mustn't be so quick to separate it I guess from the kind of racism you hear about about you know like landlords not wanting Indian tenants absolutely or like you know parents uh, you know asking their tuition agency whether or not the tutor is Malay or Indian happened or to me yeah. multiple times yeah, yeah. so it's, it's all you know this idea that there, this kind of, there's this kind of like ambient low level racism yeah right? and that, that this, is, this is an anomaly and this is an anomaly because actually I think they're all, it's all the same genre yes correct yeah. it's all the it's all the freaking same and the only reason that people feel that it's an uptick it's simply because it's, it becomes so public it's visible yeah. yeah and it's bec- it becomes a, a, a public conversation exactly right? yeah. so I, 
I, I think people need to remember that that this is our lived experiences. Mm. This is the minority lived experiences. Mm. When we see this, honestly, when when I saw all the different when I saw all the different nonsense that happened over the past month, right? Mm. Was I surprised? No, I was not surprised. There, there's absolutely no surprise in 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 these things happening. But it doesn't make me any less angry, mm. you know. And what what makes me particularly upset is when Singaporeans say, "Oh, uh." You know what? Maybe this is just because uh, people are upset now because now now COVID lah. Uh, now people right. are very stressed. Right, it's or circumstantial. Circumstantial, right? good. Yeah. Uh, and and the circumstance and circumstances they put out is always like, oh, it's not all Chinese people. Right. Or the one that I I keep hearing of a lot and that I I have some problems with is, oh, maybe this person is suffering from some sort of um, uh, mental mental illness. mental illness or something like that. Yeah. Now I I I will tread carefully here, and of course that there, there is a possibility that that there are people who are, you know, who are neurodiscordant and mm. they might be suffering from certain things and they're lashing out in a particular way. But to say these things doesn't take away yeah. from the experience that minority people have, that yeah. these things exist. Yeah. You know, and if you say these things, what you are doing is that you're prevent you are belittling the minority experience and you're right. also taking away the opportunity for people, for reg for, for for everyday Singaporeans to then introspect and go like, hey, yeah. you know what? This could be something that my friend might say or I might say or yeah. my parents might say and how do I then deal with it? How do I reckon with this? 100%. It's that thing of how it's a lot easier to look at this like practic- almost caricature-like racist and go, oh, I'm not like that. Yeah. And, and, and to kind of like you know, limit it to a kind of fringe position, right? Like someone who's like mentally unwell or that is purely out of circumstance is to ignore how this incident points back at the culture at large. And, you know, we know that the culture at large here is deeply, deeply racist. So to go back to your point about uh, Nuru Fatima and why she didn't want to she, she, uh, how she felt in class, right? Mm. I contacted her after she put up her story, after she shared the story, I had to thank her because I thought it was really brave. Mm. And then she shared about how scared she was to share this story. Mm. It got me thinking about what I saw in those two videos mm. that made me particularly sad. Uh, what the two videos really enraged me, uh, where I got sad was when I saw how... Uh, the, 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 the Nian Poly Man and the, the Gong Karen were so... Powerful mm. in, in 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 those videos, the Neon Poly man he knew he was being recorded. Mm. He was being recorded by uh, Dave's girlfriend, but he didn't he didn't record himself. He just kept on going and had a very lengthy conversation, and he felt so sure in what he was saying. He felt so it it seemed like he felt so protected, mm. in, you know, like he, to act in any way that he wanted without impunity. Mm. And for Gong Karen. The gong was left outside her door. <laughs> it felt like it really. That, that has a, such an important detail. Correct. Right? Yeah. She it, like she just knew when to pick it up and go. She, she was ready. It was like a bad syf right. like, script. But then just like observing her body language yeah. and her face it and was, the vir- the violence of her anger. It, it was, was horrific yeah. to to see that how power powerful. On yeah. And what made that power differential even more obvious was how Dave and I can't remember his name now. The the the, the other person in 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 the second video with, with the, Gong, victi- the victim of Gong Karen. The right? victim of Gong Karen. Yeah, uh, they were silent. They mm. they knew what was happening, but they did not react because I think, and I I read this off uh, someone's Facebook post. I think brown people 
know that if they react in a particular way, they know exactly how mm. that will play out, mm. how that would how that would be seen by people. Mm. And I can speak when I saw that post on Facebook, it, it struck a chord in me because that's how I deal with racism here. Mm. When racist incidents happen to me, but I know and I, I have to calm myself down and I know not to get angry because I know deep down my skin is brown. Mm. I know how that would look like. I know what might happen from here onwards. Mm. I you have to ask myself, right, what, what does it tell me about the system? Does it mean that the system does not favor favor me on some aspect. Yeah, on some level, yeah, it does. If not, right. I wouldn't have reacted this way. Right. It's and a the very system calibrated is, and the thing. system is not just law, right? The system is composed of so many different no, things. No, society, right? yeah, society people, large, people, how people will look at me. It's a whole bunch of yeah, things. Because, so the power differential here was was super obvious yeah. and it it was, it was just sad to watch. Because la. as a Chinese person, right, looking at these videos, like I recognize a very specific dynamic here. With, with the two Chinese people in question, right? The reason why they can behave so audaciously with this kind of impunity is because I think they know they can rest on an entire culture and system exactly. that will protect them, yeah. right? Like, that that there is a whole... Okay, with the, with the Neon Poly men in particular, right? It's an entire culture that goes, yeah, Chinese men with strong opinions should, f- you know, feel free to engage in these opinions as, you know, uh, because, like, everybody is free to express their opinions and he's like, yeah, what? Correct, what? He's not wrong to think this way. Yeah. You know, he's just trying to have like a a, a learned conversation with this man. What? Yeah, and, and when yeah. the newspaper um, uh, came up to him to yeah. ask for an interview, he, he doubled, doubled down. down. He doubled right? down. Yeah. And then like with the Chinese auntie in particular, you know that there's an entire culture that go like, yeah, what quite irritating what. Correct. Yeah. To, to think that she was uh, able to act like that, uh, you must imagine yeah. what kind of conversation she yeah. had before. Uh, before all of the days. Only her whole family is going like, wow, yeah, I better go and do something. Her man. whole clan, yeah. her up down, uh, downstairs neighbor, everybody. She probably think that she got the backing of yeah. everyone and that she was in the right yeah you but, know, then, but then beyond that right i think it's also worth pointing out how it's a broader culture of like seeing your face everywhere you know like yeah. you know like the the kind of uh, ratio of uh Political representation, safety in numbers, safety in numbers right? Yeah. You just know what, like you, you as no matter how you do, you know people will stand up to defend you, and yeah. that you know it's it's so it's also that thing I keep thinking about how like you know like a complaints process. For example, if someone were to complain through official channels, right, and then someone down somewhere down the line who's friends with the person being complained about will probably go like, yeah, then he will go up, you know, that kind of process where where you will go up to him and say, okay, look, I just got this complaint about you, but you know lah. This, next time don't like that like, You know people are very sensitive now Correct. But this time, I just like I just try and tai chi this away You know there's this, this kind of culture I as understand. well right? Yeah. And to take that example A little bit further mm. I think what empowers Certain people to go into situation With this With, with the mental That they think that they're right Is who the other person is right. Like the stereotypes on minorities That uh, I mean I don't want to perpetuate Those stereotypes here, But the stereotypes on minorities That make it seem That when a majority person Goes in and go like Oh you know what I'm definitely in the right Because X and Y behaves in A and B manner. Right. You know, so of course I'm right. in the I'm in the right. You know, it's all these things that privilege you in as you go into the encounter. Exactly. Already. All yeah. these assumptions you're making about someone, right? You know, I've seen some tweets, for example, going like, ah yeah, this is a boomer problem. You know, and then it's like and then you, b- because these are all people in your community, you tend to feel a bit softer towards them. Yeah. And then how this manifests, right, in you know, is your parents, for example, could say something really kind of like flippant and racist about someone and you would just let that slide because mm. they're your parents and and you just like you know you just think is, is this kind of intergenerational thing and then the 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 dilemma you're throwing into is like actually how do i even do, do i then go and scold my parents about it and then more often than not i think chinese people just let it slip 
right? Like, even in my family, I've become, like, that person who will call people out on this, right? And then, mm. like, I've been told, like, I've heard them say, I don't say this in front of Joao. Joao can be very sensitive about these kind of oh, things, dear. you know? If racism is a house on stilts, right? What are the stilts that are holding up the mm. house? It's things like this. It is, you know, political representation. Community it, it, perpetuation. Com- it's community perpetuation. It's all these things that, you know, reify and hold yeah. up um, this racist culture, right? The outcome mm. of all of this is that many people have gone on the bandwagon and asked for some sort of justice right you know people are like saying like oh um, we need to have these people feel the full weight of the law and Mm. put them in prison or Mm. give them a fine or whatever now I I can understand why people feel this way you know because there's anger uh, there's sadness and people want some sort of justice and usually people want justice immediately but I I sometimes wonder whether this recourse to law whether whether this punishment is actually useful. Mm. Because I, I cannot see w- how it can be useful for someone who is who has racist tendencies uh, and they just get sent to prison and then there's no counselling, there's no like communication, they don't have time to, to talk to someone about um, why their actions were actually bad. There's no there's no real rehabilitation. So I, I, I'm very suspicious about this. While I'm saying this, I can understand. I can understand why people want that justice. Mm. So I, I don't know what... Um, a good situation would be I think uh, I mean just just stabbing in the dark I think that yeah fine if you want some sort of justice that's okay but at the same time it needs to be done in parallel with some sort of education it yeah. fe- I mean even as I'm saying it it feels so awful because uh, to say the word education because we've said this so many freaking times and it's so frustrating to keep saying it again and again and again uh, that people don't seem to uh, and people don't seem to get it through their heads that right. you know you need to talk to someone and you need to listen to what people have to say why is this so difficult mm. you know uh, how do you change the mind of a person who is so Who's, who believes that what he's doing is not wrong. Right. It's really, really tough. I mean, I think what the law is doing, and this is a very Singapore government tactic, right, mm. is it's a way, the law exists and these punishments exist as, as a way for the government to say, yeah, the government does take a very strong stance against racism, but it's in a very typically Singapore-style way where it will just crush the thing, you know. Stamp it out. Stamp it out without... Uh, a very unnuanced kind of stamping out or something, yeah, right? And then Without... showcased, oh, look, this is the punishment that we've yeah. done. Well done. But again, once again, also kind of, and uh, you know, ignoring how its own practices might in fact be contributing to to the problem, right? Because if you think about the state and the government as a the largest employer in this country, but then mm. also because of how much power this specific government has in, in shaping the landscape over the past so many years, right? Like, actually, how so much of the lived reality of this country is a direct result of its own policies. Yep. So, you know, we can enumerate various sorts of government policies that are a little iffy on the race front, right? I mean, the most immediate one that comes to mind is them just brazenly saying that Singapore is not ready for a non-Chinese prime minister. Oh, yeah. They will say, they will say that there's a pragmatic approach, whatever, whatever. It's, it's racism. Yeah. It's, it's pure and it's flat-out racism, right? Yeah. But it will dress that up as a form of like um, Singaporean-style pragmatism. Yeah, correct. And this is what I'm talking about, right? It's the state is actually acting actively engaged in perpetuating a lot of the attitudes that contribute to you know what yeah. we're seeing today right and it's not just it's not just that statement i think a lot of ministers have actually said ah. awful awful things along the way yeah. uh, that shape people's minds about 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 how race yeah, should be like, perceived uh, in this country uh, was it denise poa i think it's who, denise poa yeah in discussing um 
Little right after the Little India riots, right? Another that was a complete mess, by the way. How that was handled by the government. Let's think about that. But then, I mean, yeah, just to kind of go on a quick segue here, how you know to demonstrate the government's very uh, heavy-handed approach to things. In the wake of the Little India riots, right? Um, what did they do? They banned alcohol in Little India. Oh yeah. How 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 much more blatant can you get with your assumption, the assumptions you're making about people, and and you know and and how and how targeted your approach. Yeah, and how, how targeted and racialized your approach is. But then, uh, like, Denise Poa then goes on to say in Parliament that um, the area, her constituency, uh, is full of walking time bombs. Yeah, something like that, walking right? time Referring bombs. Referring to the largely kind of, like, South Asian community in the area. You know, they, yeah. they're not said in a vacuum, you know. They said to people, they said to your citizenry. and They said in the highest public office in the exactly, land. Exactly, and they, yeah. they, people are going to hear them. And obviously, people's minds are going to be shaped. You know, people's thoughts are going to be shaped. And and what will happen is that you might not feel the effects immediately, mm. but you just need something to tip things over. Mm. And then people are just going to react in the most awful, egregious way. Yeah. Then one other thing that got me when I when I saw the video uh, happened very... Uh, the video on the Neon Poly Man specifically mm. uh, happened about not even a minute into the video was when the Neon Poly Man accosted the couple, right? Uh, the, the one of the first few things that Dave said was that uh, I am not a full Indian. Yeah, so he said that I'm not full Indian. You know, as a sort as a sort of defense, mm. I think he's received some level of flack on the internet for that because it, it seems like he's just like 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 let go of his Indianness entirely as a way as a way out of the situation, right? Right. But when I saw that, I actually related to it quite strongly because what I saw from that was self preservation. Mm. You know, as a way to he saw danger coming as a way to and he probably dealt with it his whole life and that was a way that he dealt with his whole life, growing up. Growing up Indian, I got away. I I I sort of pushed away my Indianness, and I think I've talked about this on the podcast as well. I pushed away my Indianness by saying that I speak English at home, mm. and that my mom and dad speak English, and so I, I upped English mm. over over my actual mother tongue, and I said, "Oh, I speak Malay as a as a as a as a defense of sorts." So I totally understood where he was coming from, mm. but. I mean, growing up and being a little bit more mature about this, I realised that this thing comes from a place of shame. Right. So I really understand, even though he's received a lot of flack, I, I related a lot with what he said as a defence mechanism and how much that comes from shame. Shame, but, shame of your own culture. Shame of your own culture, but where does that shame come from? Right. That shame was built over time because I was... I mean, and I'm sure it's probably the same for Dave. I can't speak for him, but probably similar... It's, it's shame that's born from being told that what I do, how I talk, mm. how I behave, how I look like, what I eat is incorrect or wrong mm. or disgusting or weird. And so you try to assimilate or you try to hide away the very things that make you you, mm. you know? I think a lot about the homogenizing, the very corrosive homogenizing attitude of the Chinese community in Singapore. Hmm. Like, there is a, a deep desire for orthodoxy here. Everybody must look and do the same things. Exactly. Everybody must pursue the same things. Yeah. And your, difference is not welcome. Yeah, difference, you know, is really not welcome and it's like, uh, it, you know, it will be stared at and pointed at and laughed at and queried. Right? And I can imagine how when you're younger, and you don't necessarily have the emotional or social resources to deal with this kind of corrosive, homogenizing power, this orthodoxy, that one of the easiest things to do, as you put it, to stay, to survive that, is to jettison that which Absolutely. makes you 
uh, different, different, right? And to assimilate. Yeah. Like. Now growing older and kind of growing up queer and a little weird, I've I've come up against this homogenizing power too. It's not just you know, I mean, race is a very major way in which it plays out, right? But it's it's more than that. There's a deep kind of like very insecure and fearful and sniveling quality to very mainstream Chinese Singaporean culture here that mm. just has one very specific. Vision for the way life ought to be led in this yeah. country, and uh, it does everything in its power, you know, to enforce that in every nook and cranny. When you look at that video and you see him almost instinctively say it, right? I don't know. There was a sort of recognition, a moment of recognition. Yeah, yeah. There, was quite strong, and I empathize one hundred percent. Yeah. So I, I understand why the brown community some some section of the brown community came up and said like hey maybe you shouldn't have done that you kind of threw us under the bus a little bit mm. but I, I I want us perhaps to think about why he said that because I think there is something very important here about shame and about learning to love yourself and it's something that that is not some, that it's something that got taken away from us when we were a little bit younger mm. and we are all learning to do as we as we get older I mean I myself am learning to do this a little bit mm. yeah Alright, for this um, next segment, uh, we're going to do something quite interesting. Um, of course, there can interesting? be... Yeah, dangerous? Dangerous. <laughs> mind-numbing. Mm. Terrifying. Mm. Soul-destroying. Correct. There is no race controversy in Singapore without um, the, the expertise and wisdom of Minister of Law K. Shamugam mm. some way getting involved, right? And mm. like, you know, Minister of Law K. Shamugam has come out to discuss, you know, this... Uh, recent spat Correct. of racist incidents in his usual kind of clear-sighted um, that's right I don't even know what adjective to use it's way. okay mm. yeah and we thought we might just uh, what we could do is like play a little interview that he's recently given with um, 938 I think whatever some yeah. news uh, and then just kind of like comment uh, loosely and uh, hopefully reverently correct you know but before that right I think we need to issue a, a POFMA alert POFMA alert <laughs> Pofma alert. Yeah, so we, we've taken the interview from 938 and we're going to play excerpts of the interview uh, with him answering questions uh, given by the news reporters and we're just going to play them out in full. Yeah, la. so yeah. we've excerpted maybe about seven minutes of the entire interview. Yeah, I think it's 11 long. Uh, 11 so minutes, it's yeah. probably worth saying that this is not the full interview. No, 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 it's not and the full. And that we in no way hope to misrepresent mm. Minister of Law Ken Shamunga. Definitely not. But, and we've taken in any um, shape or form. But we've taken full questions, meaning that uh, we've taken full replies to his questions. Mm, mm, yeah. We're not going to cut his replies or edit them in any way. Can or not? Mm. Let it can lah. This is truly a you, what you hear is what you get. Correct lah. Let it huh? can lah. Mm, can can la. la. don't, don't, don't look at us. Don't la. come here lah. Eye of Mordor, turn away. Don't come here. Thanks. Mm, okay, Kishin, are you ready? Wait, uh, let, it, let me ready my CV first. <laughs> <In case laughs> you need to apply for a new job. In case I need to apply for a new job. Yeah, yeah. I got no job. <laughs> and uh, would it be fair to say there's always been some level of racism in the community? <laughs> Each time a person makes that statement, you know, I almost feel like saying, hello, uh, get real. You know, of course, uh, you name me a multiracial society that does not have racism from the very beginning, you know, decades ago, the time we became independent even before that. Like the government people in leadership positions have always recognized, I would put it in three ways. One, you know, that uh, 
the uh, deep racial fault lines, you will see that exact phrase uh, being uh, used to describe many situations. Second, uh, outright racism. And third, and I would not put this as racism, uh, racial preferences, preferences as to uh, in a number of areas. But uh, if you have preferences, but you bring it out into the public square and you express it and you make it as a norm for others, then I think it crosses the line. But many people, certainly in the past, but even now, have preferences along racial lines, religious lines, and uh, you know, not just in Singapore, but elsewhere. But it has, in some, it also crosses into racism, and it's always been the case. I myself use the word deep fault lines. I've acknowledged racism exists. And in fact, many of the government policies proceed by accepting that there is both the racial preference as well as racism. And how do we mitigate that to make sure that meritocracy works and that people of all races have fair opportunities? Which... Racism exists. Go That's on, acknowledged. Sir. It's not new. Mm, mm. So, oh, okay, uh, what is he, what is he saying? Uh, do you do you understand what he's saying? Like, I I, I think I, he okay to summarize. I got a master's degree, but I really don't know what he's saying. <laughs> yeah, I think he recognizes that there's racism happening in Singapore. That's why he said at the very start, right? Because right. that was the question, right? Do you think like something about racism in Singapore? Uh, he's like, yeah, there's racism in he's Singapore. No, he says, yeah, duh. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> There's racism in Singapore as, as with any country, you know, there's racism. And he says that... I but then think he throws into the mix, oh, but there's also this thing called preference. Correct. And then also this thing called uh, deep fault lines. Correct. Mm. Yeah. So there's all sorts of things. Lah. Um, How do you feel about that? I'm... I'm I find it interesting that there's racial uh, that racial preference is uh, distinct from racism. Right. Because to me, I then question, right... What are racial preferences built on? What is the bedrock of all racial preferences? Oh, it's the deep racial fault lines, law. Ah, uh, yeah. So uh. if we dig, if we dig deeper in these racial preferences, right, where do we land? Mm. And at where we land, do we then call it racism? Right. You I know? actually want to kind of use a geological metaphor to describe Ooh, what we're talking about. I'm here because for it. he used fault lines, right? So fault lines is that thing that when the earth shake, 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 then cracks, right? I think that's the official uh, term. Shake, shake, and then I guess in this formulation, racism is the molten lava that flows out, right? Ooh. Uh, and then preference, maybe it's just the smoke. I don't know what. <laughs> but you cannot think of these three properties as being like like geologically distinct phenomena, right? They're all related yeah. to the deep tectonic shifts of the earth. Yeah, exactly. So for me, I, I want to tease out a little bit more on racial preference because um, if we take the context of perhaps marriage, right? Then I uh, then, then there's racial preference there, okay? But I'm not saying right or wrong, huh? but then there's also racial preference on, you know, when we have landlords who prefer Chinese people to stay in their homes. Ah. You know, uh, yeah, then that's also racial preference, right? Right. Then we also it's have... to keep the 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 ancestral energy flowing through the house. Yeah. Then it's also when I apply for tuition jobs when I was teaching in university, I was ah, trying I prefer, to do tuition. They many times told me, uh, said to my face, Oh, I'm sorry, the family prefers a Chinese speaking not Chinese, uh, they were very careful. Chinese speaking uh person. Mm. Ah, so 
For me then, I want to question what is this racial preference and how, if this racial preference is what I'm also experiencing, then to me, these things are racism. No, this it, thing it's, is racism. Racism. It's, it's racism. It's a racism. <laughs> it's a racism. No, you know what you're pointing out is discrimination, which is a racism. A racism. I'm yeah. sorry. It's like preference leads to discrimination, right? Yeah. So I, I'm, 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 I'm. Str- let's just say that I'm struggling mm. to understand fully the fine um, granular detail. Exactly. What yeah. minister is trying to put across? I'm, yeah. I'm struggling. I'm I think struggling. another thing of what he's just said that I find interesting is his kind of like the of course racism exists. Singapore kind of perspective right but then he goes on to say it's not just in Singapore but everywhere in the world correct, correct. name me a multicultural society where there's no racism mm, Smurfs right which is like <laughs> yes tautology sure of course right but th- I, I don't know why to my ear at least it feels like it's, it's a way of kind of slightly saying let's not get so worked up about these videos that are now yeah. going viral because this is something that happens everywhere and yeah. you know Singapore is like not an especially racist place it's just mm. like any other place in the world where there's a racism <laughs> right yeah. but it does feel I, like I, that's it, what I feel like across. it's you know it's true but it's not a useful thing to say in this moment yeah. uh, yes, right yes it, agree. It, I don't know if to your ear at least it kind of slightly Downplays yeah. the situation. No, agree. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I'm, I'm firstly to to put a spin on it, put positive spin. On it, I'm glad that he's saying that racism exists because, to be perfectly frank, mm. um, growing up, mm. this was something that we were not told to talk about, right? Or it was taboo to talk about. So racism didn't exist. We were ah, all living harmony. It was an abstract quality. Yeah. Right, so yeah. in recent in recent times, I think in the last few years. Ministers have been saying that ah there is racism in Singapore and we need to deal with it. So mm. I'm glad that he's saying that. Let me say that first. But to then quickly follow up with ah, but this is no different from any other country. Mm. I I don't know. Is this what I want to hear right now? As I I feel like I'm being uh for lack of the better word attacked right because of who I am. No, let's move on. We are at an age where social media is such uh, a player when it comes to uh, getting people to see things and hear things. Has social media made things worse? I don't know that I will agree that it's made things worse. It's, uh, I mean, you know, these events have happened, but perhaps they haven't gotten as much publicity in the past as they get now, but I think we also must accept that uh, things are different now. People and racial sensitivities also heightened and there have been uh, some more uh, in-your-face incidents. Uh, I'm not quite able to say, well, you know, that's only because of social media. On Singapore but, you today. know, we shouldn't go away thinking this is new. Uh, That's why I made the point that racism has always existed. And I've said that years ago. Right. Right. What what, What was was the point? I I, I don't know. I'm a bit lost. I think the question was, has social media made it worse? And Mm. then Min Law goes, I don't know, maybe, uh, I think maybe, but I can't say that it has. It sounds like he was trying to say that certain things that were not on the internet the last time is now visible on the internet this time. Yeah, because, you know... Everybody has a smartphone now. Yeah, like everybody has a camera on them. Like. Right. Yeah. So, but has social media made it worse, Joel? Made what worse? Racism worse? No. Yeah, no, right. How, 
I, the question is kind of flawed to begin with. Like, has I mean, let's like let's ask the question in its entirety. Has social media made racism worse? No, no. It's just amplified what has already been there. <laughs> it has truly amplified what has already been there. If yeah. I think the dark heart of this question, mm. right, points to the way in which yeah. there been a lot of pains taken to portray this kind of discourse as disruptive. Is what mm. I, I so it's it, it. This reminds me of how. Um, you know, a couple of months back, they were talking about the culture wars, you know, with like the trans student Ashley and how, you know, um, people bringing in all this kind of like queer theory and trans, so-called trans ideology is a culture war and it's disruptive. And I think much ha- much the same has been said about critical race theory. So I think Minister of Education in an interview, he in a speech or interview he gave, you know, mm. in relation to culture war, did talk about race as well. Yeah. And like, so I think race is definitely on the agenda in terms of like things that they they are trying to um control uh, not control but kind of control the conversation around sure and because and, it's such a delicate yeah. thing la. so i think the question is tr- basically trying to say and i've seen comments on the internet allude to how uh the this constant talking on the internet about race by these like you know um social justice types right is making the situation worse you know i can see how i can see in that very warped formulation how you, you could ask that question because mm. if you're constantly talking about race according to, according to this logic then you are just making racism more apparent yeah you're you, bringing you're, this to the surface like. yeah you're stirring the pot you're stirring shit yeah which is which is really flawed yeah. logic mm. because talking about something doesn't make it like appear out of thin air correct right this we are talking the, the reason- shit must be there before you can stir it right exactly yeah. the reason why people like uh, minorities in Singapore are talking about certain things is because we are just calling out our daily experiences right. our what we what we've gone through with people mm. and we, we're just echoing what our 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 you know, the minority people the minority experience in Singapore lah yeah. calling th- certain things out does not equate to creating it right right yeah or making it worse yeah for that for matter sure. in fact if anything i'd say critical race theory has made things not better but has provided like a language yeah. has provided solely needed solidarity you know like avenues of solidarity uh, has provided um, perspective you know and, and a way to name what's going on mm. and I think for people who would rather things not be named you know who would rather that things be silenced or silenced <laughs> Uh, who would rather there be no language for describing and therefore creating anxiety around something, yeah. right? This kind of discourse is, you know, deeply worrying. La. Yeah. And I, yeah. There, there, there's something about, there's something to say about people like that who want to, who want the status quo to remain as it is. Yeah. Right? You got to question, I mean, for people who do, right, you got to, you got to ask yourself, why? Why is it that you're so, why is it that you don't like difference and change? It seems, you know, well, what is it about it that that, I, uh, that, 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 that frightens you? I really you? think it's that simple formulation of how, like, obviously, if the status quo benefits you, then you benefit least from it being changed. Yeah. Shall we carry on? Yeah. Um, you know, safeguarding racial and religious harmony is a cornerstone of Singapore. We were all taught the importance of it as early as primary school. Uh, given everything that's happening, what role does the government play? Extremely important role, but it's not just the government. I said it's the society, it's people, it's institutions, it's the government. Uh, we are, as Singaporeans, what does that mean? I mean, it's not a subtraction from Singaporeans to say I'm an Indian 
I'm a Chinese, I'm a Malay, or you know, sub-identities. Those are extremely important. They give us our cultural ballast. We are what we are. We recognize that, and that is extremely important. That gives us strength. But beyond that, we are also Singaporeans, and that is a common identity. And we have to emphasize that common identity, even as we recognize, accept, emphasize our individual identities. And we need to have that common vision to say, look, we want to build a system based on justice, equality, meritocracy, and where everyone can feel equal and everyone can feel protected. And the government has a huge role in articulating that vision and being fair. For example, you know, it's been said, oh, you know, we have this situation now. In the past, uh, the government investigated when people uh, uh, made, uh, uh, pointed out or called out racism. Now I looked at it and I laughed. You know, these sentiments are somewhat hypocritical because what do they mean? When they, when they see something that's racist or they think it's racist, they respond with racist remarks of their own. And we call that out. You don't respond to what you say is racism by your own racist remarks, by being racist yourself. So we call that out. If the government didn't call that out, say, for example, if something happens in the, from uh, Chinese says something and an Indian or Malay responds with his own racist remark, and we don't deal with that, then next time when someone from the majority community does it, has there been rule of law? And can the government go and say, no, we are going to take action? Rule of law means the law applies to all majority and minority equally. <laughs> Excuse me. So have we applied the law fairly? Do people believe that we are applying the law fairly? Across all races, is everyone protected? Then if they believe that, then people will say, I accept the operation of the law. Wow. There's an idea here there. about um, equality versus equity, right? Like, can we apply the law of, you know, racial injustices or people people like violating racial acts? Can we apply it fairly? I, I would like that. I would like, I would like the law to make sure to cover everyone. But I wonder if the law also takes into account power differentials. Right. Like structural differences yeah, that big, different big, groups of people have. Yeah, I'm listening to this and I'm thinking... What what do what racial injustice do Chinese people in Singapore need to be protected from? I don't know. You I'm know, not, I'm not I'm, sure. Like, if we take the definition of racism to mean structural, you know, structural and systemic yeah. inequalities yeah. that favor the majority race, right? That is truly a question. Joel. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's I'm not sure what 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 I as a Chinese person hmm. you know need to be defended from. Right. In this, in this, in this formulation, indeed, indeed. So I love how, in response to the question, right. what role does the government have mm -mm. in safeguarding multiracial harmony in Singapore? I mean, there's a two-part response, right? Part one, sure. part, part one response is um, Majula Singapura, the pledge. <laughs> then the second part of the response was last time when there was a racist incident and then people responded to the racist incident with their own racism ah we made sure they also gonna yeah, so everything fair correct and then i mean like that just makes me think and i'm not sure if what he's alluding to but it makes me think of the pretty please 
versus the brown face. Mm. You know the brown face incident, right? I do, I do remember Obviously that. remember it. Yeah. So what had happened was like there was this kind of like racist caricature that was put on in, in on public display. And then in response to that, Pretty Please and her brother made a rap video that basically uh, criticized Chinese people for fucking up all the time about these things, right? And then they were, the Pretty Please and her brother Subas were subsequently um, investigated by the police yeah. for, you know, wounding right. people's... Uh, Chinese people's feelings. Yeah, I think but there was some racial the, harmony. Yeah, act la. Uh, there was some. I racial think they harmony. are still serving out their two year. Correct. Con- warning or right. probation. So, mm. in response to the question, what role does the government have in safeguarding multiracial harmony in Singapore? This is his answer, lah. Mm. Mm. Interesting, ah. Uh. Yeah, but I, I'm not sure if it's sufficient, lah. I, I I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he asked, he 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 goes on to say that we want everybody to be feel safe and to feel protected, right? Yes. Do I feel safe and protected now? Um, what I find interesting in all of this is that if a racial, if someone from a racial minority in this country were to respond to racism or an act of racist aggression in a critical way, they might be liable in this formulation, as Keisha Mugam puts it, in which the government takes a very strong role in articulating multiracial values. This this racial minority, this person from the minority might be liable to be charged with sedition. Yeah. Or, you know, various other kinds of laws for disturbing the peace, sure. for, um, you know, uh, rebel rousing and yeah, for like stirring up, stirring up like, uh, uh, you know, yeah, ra- racialized sort of sentiments, right? Sentiments. Yeah. Because under the, uh, uh, under the law, everyone is equal, uh-huh. right? Yeah. But again, it draws back to the very first question I asked at the top of this question is, how can we apply this law equally when I wonder if the power yeah, differential like, is different? How, how does it how does it, you know, factor power dynamics into yeah. it? Or it doesn't sound like it does when that's mm. actually at the heart of the problem, right? Yeah. As we've been saying, the the reason why, you know, Chinese people behave the way they do is because they are granted an enormous amount of power. Mm. When you don't factor in power imbalances mm. and, you know, power dynamics. Uh, as they play out on a racial level, you are missing a big part of the story. Agree. Yeah, and it's, it's really it's really applying this, some, yeah. something on a very incomplete template. Correct. And then of course, um, I think people are going to feel these things very differently. Yeah. And it's just gonna it's just gonna play out very differently no, I for mean, different people. Yeah. It's it's like honestly, I think like you know, an Indian person who is tired of racism calling out Chinese people for being racist is very different. Um, than a Chinese person, you know, making fun of Indian people. Mm. Those are two very different speech acts. Yeah. They're very different um, scenarios. Yeah, and, they can, and I'm not sure they can be treated the same yeah. way. Simply because yeah. of where we're at and the context we are in. Exactly. Yeah, it's not the same. There's a few very interesting things with this response, right? So once again, the question was, what role does the government have in... Um, maintaining social uh, multiracial harmony, right? And then his response was basically this kind of appeal to our higher senses of like uh, togetherness, our pledge, uh, our pledge, you know the the the, the values, the, the values like... that bind us, right? Yes, yes. And then like he also says something like, oh, you know, the government has a big role, but also it's the community that needs to come into play. So yeah. it's very, very kind Singaporean. Of, uh, it's very Singaporean where like the government is not totally in charge, you know. And then side note here about how this is a very fucked up thing to. This is a fucked up way of thinking about things in a society where the government has control over so many aspects of life that literally, like the 
the like change has to come from the top. Mm. You know what I mean? And which makes me think a lot about what kind of policy reform can the government be engaging in across a wide range of sectors, right? Mm. To kind of make things a little better. Like what kind should I mean? I just keep thinking, wouldn't wouldn't it be great if there were like a task force on race in this country? Do you know what I mean? To yeah. kind of like systematically investigate. Ways in which you know um, policies and institutions, especially those, especially government ones, mm. um, like what what kind of like you know are they following best practices? You know, like basically a self reflection, a self reflection, right? To kind of like go, how hey, can we how can we change? How can, how can we, change? we do things better? Yeah, especially considering the times. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, we talked about this before. Like, I, I, there is nothing wrong with looking back at what you've done and go like, hey, you know what? Maybe we've done something wrong here. Perhaps we can look at it a little yeah. bit better. Instead of saying. We, the citizens of Singapore, you know what I mean? It's it's, it's just, you, you know, it, it seems we're just caught in this loop of saying, look at this, look at this, look at this, you know? Look at how bad it is. Look at how, like, uh, audacious these people are. Look at how fucking racist they are. Look at it, right? And and I just keep thinking, yeah, in the looking, what are we what, what are we all hoping for? That the government acknowledges that there's racism? And now that they've done it, they say, yeah, there's racism. Like, what actually... What actually is the hope here? What can we hope for, right? And who's, who, you know, is the ball in fact in their court to finally say we mm. see it, we acknowledge it, and look, we know things are bad, and we're gonna try have to do something about it. I, I really feel like unless like we are pushing them to actually systematically review these things and make a pledge to 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 review their processes and their values and everything right like it's just going to be this cycle of anger where it's very unclear what the anger where, where the anger is going because it's like how do we solve these problems on a national level right mm. sure on a on a personal social in, interpersonal level there are many things that we can work on on ourselves but as a nation how right. do we move on from this cycle of like racism denial and burying our head in the sand so are you asking for a more deliberative approach yeah, to certain things I really like think where, that the, where the bridge between government and its citizens are narrowed a little bit so that it's more consultative I mean, is that what you're looking generally for? speaking for Singapore yes but also I really what I'm pointing to is like as I said earlier in this episode the government has so much control in this country over practically every aspect of life right that we've become for better or worse very you know there's a kind of very parental relationship very that dependent, they have yeah. and it's toxic and it's corrosive but you know in, in this current formulation right the, the, the ball really is in their court to kind of like take charge of this and that's why I find this response so infuriating because it's basically saying nothing it's basically saying these are the values that we aspire to but it's not saying how the government actually is a is think you know going to take steps towards right concrete yeah. steps lah because if you can acknowledge that racism exists mm-hmm. right and if racism exists in a really corrosive way as it as it obviously does right what what use is it to anybody to say we see it and we acknowledge it yeah without then saying how how do we get what here? are the steps how do we get here and how do we get out of this mm. anything other than that to me is just puffery you yeah. know what I mean it's useless to us. What can we do with this? What can we do with this attitudinizing? Mm. Nothing. You know? It's, 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 it's meaningless. You know, Joel, at the very start of this, as we were discussing this, I didn't quite agree with you about, about government taking full-on responsibility about this. But I think I'm, I'm starting to see your point. Because like in most things, because of, because of the country that we live in and because of the whole that, that, that the government has in this country and many different aspects of this country, I think truly the ball is 
in their court. Yeah. For for for, for this thing and many other things. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they like to pass off this kind of like self-sufficiency angle when Ex- it comes to everything in this country, exactly. right? Exactly. And I'm a bit upset that I didn't see it at first because I think I've been sold on that. On the self-sufficiency thing. On the self-sufficiency thing. thing because I also, I, 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 or to an extent, I agree that I should be responsible for my own life and I should take yeah, care no, of people. Yeah, but that only makes sense in so far as, you know, the community is empowered to take charge and do things on its own. But what do we have in this country, right? We don't have a right, you know, the state has been single-handedly engaged in disempowering and disenfranchising civil society mm-hmm. you know uh, it's, it, people it, we have a very kind of lackadaisical unengaged citizenry that is swaddled yeah. by comfort we have an unengaged you know we, we, we can't take to the streets to protest when we disagree with things dissent has been policed you know we are a, 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 an overwhelmingly defeated community and then to say glibly that a big part of the responsibility for lifting ourselves out of this kind of like racist mud lies with this disempowered community. It to me feels disingenuous. I mm. think like the power is all acc- so much power for change, so much potential for change is accrues within the state and these men who run this run the show. It just feels so glib to me that like he could not have come up with a more sophisticated answer to that question. What does the government have to do? What is the government's role in maintaining ma- maintaining multiracial harmony? It's just mm. it's, it, it just feels like such an ex- exculpation, mm. you know, such a such a kind of like uh, I don't know. I was hearing you talk about how the ball is in the government's court and how they should be the one to take the mantle up and to to, to actually do something about it, right? Because they are the ones with power. Yeah, and right? you know, in doing that kind of signal on a national level, exactly. what really our values are to put to put like the money where the mouth is. Exactly. Right? So uh, for me, what I'm hearing from you is a whole lot of love, actually. Mm. Because what I also have for this country I for some reason I hate to admit it but I have a lot of love for this country I have a lot of love for this island yeah. and I want to see it and to, and to see it the way it is now is very very heartbreaking mm. and I think what you and I both want is for it to be better right. you know and and some people might say that oh we're shaking things up or whatever but I, 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 I don't really think so I think we're just saying what things are right now and we are asking hey what else is there right you know and I look at this question what else is there how have we gotten here? How can we be better? And these are questions that it seems like every month uh, uh, a reason for asking this question comes up. An mm. incident happened that mm. comes up. Mm. Last year it was something. The year before it was something. Last month it was something. Mm. You know, and I'm I'm getting very tired with this. And I'm I have to say that there, there is a sense of hopelessness mm. attached to 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 my feelings now. Mm. It, it wasn't always there, but it is there now. I'm, I'm feeling a little bit like. Okay lah, this this it seems like this is something that we are doomed to repeat, like some sort of weird purgatory, mm. and we kind of have to deal with it because if nothing big is done, if nothing on a large national scale is done, then of course this is going to be cyclical. So this is what I'm sitting with this this sense of hopelessness. But I, I, this is what people always say, right? You kind of need to know where your bottom is before you can finally scrape your way back up to the top. Right. So, I'm not saying that this hopelessness 
has rendered me useless, has mm. rendered me inactive. For some strange reason, this hopelessness is actually very powerful mm. because I, I I know I know what I feel now. I I know why I feel hopeless. And I know I don't want to feel this way all the time. Mm. You know, I know that it's important that we talk. It's important that I keep engaging with people. I keep engaging not only with my fellow citizens, but with also political office holders, mm. with, with, with anybody, you know, with anyone. I, I continue to engage with them and to listen because this hopelessness is not something I want to feel with constantly. And I don't want people in my community to constantly feel it or communities that come after me to feel it. Mm. Like, do you not feel that with all of this kind of like uh, social media activity that there is a lot more, you know, solid, there is a sense, a stronger sense of solidarity? Yeah. There is, there is definitely a stronger sense of solidarity amongst the minority community because certain things have become more obvious, mm. right? But as you have pointed out, social media is a very disparate space. Mm. Where is the concentrating funneling effect that comes, that, that, that should appear from this, that, that there isn't one. It just feels very diffused and gone. And we are all, it, I said this earlier, it it's feels... atomized, yeah. Yeah, we, it feels like we're all yelling out into and against very strong wind. And the message that we're trying to yell out is not getting across because because of that wind and but we're yelling as hard as we can and more and more people are yelling right now but it feels still useless you know and until there is something a little bit more concentrated or directed or something that dies the wind down or helps mm. the wind change direction i think that's constantly going to be the feeling amongst the community one of uh, hopelessness helplessness yeah, exhaustion ex- exhaustion for sure yeah because we are sick and tired of talking about this right real. yeah I just want to just drink gin and tonic <laughs> all the time <laughs> so we started off this episode as a way for me to like have a little bit of therapy because this week has made me uh, got me feeling some sort of way mm. and I really needed some space to mm. talk and to share my views mm. and to also, you know, just air them out with someone. And mm. you've been really great with this, Joe. I, I I mean, do I feel better? No, if anything, I feel a lot worse. Right. Um, but I, I didn't expect to feel better. Mm. But in that hopelessness and helplessness, there is a sense of sureness. Like, I know why I feel this way now. Mm. I, I have a bit of clarity, even if I feel a little bit more shit. Mm. To everyone else who's listening to this episode, especially the minority folks, I know you are probably also feeling some sort of way and this ep- this episode probably didn't help. Um, it's not meant to help. And to be honest, there's no good way to end this episode. So I just want to thank you for listening and to just stay safe. Right, this has been Joel signing off. And this is Kishan. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.